Well, Sam Marwood, God, where do I start? Sam's someone who I've been fortunate to know and follow his journey for quite some time. I originally became fascinated with what he was up to at the Elmore Field days with Cultivate Farms, but since then, maybe even more interestingly, maybe not. I don't know. Sam's a fascinating dude, but he also is the managing director of Udenata, and what they do is work hand-in-hand with farming to bring conservation practices into farming businesses as well. They're best known for bringing back one of the bandicoots from the brink of extinction. As he says in this chat, one of only three times where an animal at risk has been downgraded. So what I wanted to chat with about Sam was one, really keen to understand from his perspective, this Cultivate Farms dream. He threw everything in out of it. He moved back into his in-laws, quit his job, and he has just stayed so focused on the vision and it certainly hasn't been an easy road, but I wanted to understand from him what's been driving him keeping him on that pathway and what I loved about this chat is what it was about six or seven year old Sam is still what is driving Sam who's 30 something maybe I don't know Sam you can tell me about that let's get into it you know it's it's really interesting because I think like when I first came across you what what are the other founders because I saw you guys at not Henty it was Elmore Field Days is where I first saw you guys. And I reckon that'd be turning back the clock. That must have been 2015. Yeah, five years at least. Yep. And the rest. And yeah, I don't know. Like at the moment, I'd say, I think I've got aspirations of owning a farm one day. I don't know if I want to be solely in a farm business, but do you? I've realized I'm not a very good farmer, but I love farming and I love how you can grow food and sustain the planet. Getting that balance is what I love. And seeing entrepreneurial people have a crack and follow their dreams or removing barriers i guess i get a bit of a buzz out of people going oh, i think i can do it and then one day they call up and say i did it that's what gives me the energy and to do that around farming which is what i i love is is awesome so yeah maybe one day to own but maybe not run it may co-own it like we talk about with cultivate farms sharing ownership because it's funny like i often think that if i was inside the farm gate it, it's such a busy role and workplace and it's completely consuming and so i feel like if i was on farm i wouldn't get to do all the fun things that i get to do outside probably that's a, a nice way of saying i don't have the um, focus or attention to detail or discipline to be a farmer and i think these are the great questions to have like most people are inheriting their farm and no one goes hey are you really a farmer like do you love the idea of wake up at midnight trying to figure out how you're going to pay your loan and how the cattle are going to get in next day and you know, that stress, if, if that's you, fantastic. But most of the times it's, hey, you're inheriting and therefore that's what you're doing versus getting entrepreneurs or people with this passion for farming to be the ones who are, are driven to go and pursue ownership and to run it and making sure you're you're the right fit. But farming is a big thing. And that's what we all say to our next-gen farmers is, do you really want to be a farmer or are the components of farming that you're really good at? Or are you to the business person who oversees or looks at the numbers? What do you want out of life? And then if it is farming and farm ownership, then go for it. But a lot of those questions, I guess, don't get asked, do they? It's just, this is what you are and go for it, especially with inheriting. So I think what we're saying is you can own your farm, but do you really want to? And if you do, it's possible. And I think the other thing, like, so with farming, like it is, there's so many complexities because it is just, a, it is another type of business, but then there's so much out of your control. And I think for me too, like, well, I probably, I love the volatility that comes with, changing workplaces which farming has in spades but i probably don't have the patience to like work my way up to being in that level of i'm going to say chaos that would come with being across a large enough aggregation but two as well 
I'm probably slightly more risk averse if it was my own dollars and cents. Easier to gamble with someone else's money. <laughs> and what I find interesting, just hearing you talk about this, so you've got this carrot of ownership. So probably maybe before this, you're probably thinking, I can't even afford a farm. So why would I even think about it? Actually, we think the pathway and we're proving it's possible to own your farm. Okay, so have that carrot up there. All right, let's have these conversations with your partner and go, all right, well, how would we get there? And do we want to? And should we? And ah, oh, I don't know. It, I guess it's the act of thinking about ownership helps you clear your mind and helps you work through these questions, which are purpose of life type questions really, aren't they? Do, yeah, do I really want to own my farm? Oh, me? Yes. All right. Well, how do I get there? And should I? And yeah, what's my skills? And who should we have alongside us? All that sort of stuff where most people don't do that because they don't think ownership is possible. So I'm fascinated. And I know we've, we're doing a shorter episode today, which is just going to, we've basically what we're getting is just pushing people in and we're compressing as much information in. But this, what I admire so much about you, Sam, is you've taken this dream of cultivated farms, of giving other people the opportunity for farm ownership. And you have been like a dog at a bone at it. Like you have just stayed so consistent and motivated with, I guess, that bigger purpose. But I want to know what, like why and how. Two simple questions. <laughs> I do love the idea of being alongside Australia's farmers. Like you think about we eat food every day. And we need to know where that food comes from. And I just know Australian farmers are great at farming and looking after the land. I want to be involved in ensuring the sustainability of our food and our country and our land and the environment. And by getting in alongside next-gen farmers to help them solve and realise their number one thing, ownership, means that I can be involved in the sh- shaping. It probably sounds really big, but shaping the future of Australia's landscape sounds awesome. And it's through that kernel of ownership, I think we can do that. And I guess like any business, you're sort of running it probably to solve a problem for yourself, which was I was going to inherit until I was eight years old. And then I realized, no, my parents never had the intention to give me the farm. It was a false impression that I was going to be given the farm. And so I went and did other things. The idea that someone could have told me at the age of eight, hey, don't worry about your parents not giving you the farm. You just go do this and you'll get on your farm. My life would be different. I would just not be, I wouldn't have started Cultivate Farms. I'd be a farmer. So that was, a, I guess, a... The big drive for me is, wow, I could have been, I could have owned my farm. And that was my underlying driver. And I know it's the underlying driver for so many is ownership for some reason. And then looking to see that no one else is really focused on that. There's lots of business and farming programs out there, but really nothing focused on how to own your farm. There's programs to figure out how to get a bank loan, but you still need the 40, 50% deposit. Where do you get that from? So this Trying to solve wicked problems is probably what I love as well. And I chasing ideas, like you're talking about as well, Ollie, chasing ideas and trying to find the problem. The solution to the problem drives me. And this problem of ownership is a worldwide thing. And I think we're slowly nailing all the different ability, to, you know, ways to make it possible. So yeah, backing Aussie farmers, helping the environment and continually having wicked problems thrown at you to try and solve gives me energy to keep going. So let's go back. Six or seven-year-old Sam had no idea that, I guess, the dream of inheriting the farm was going to be taken off. What was it about agriculture and what was it about six-year-old or seven-year-old Sam that just loved everything to do with farming? I guess it was just, yeah, we're on a dairy farm in Dingy, Central Victoria, and there's just all I knew was farming, seeing mum and dad working every single day and having the cows right there and being part of it and being working and mucking around and maybe it's that autonomy having our own family business 
It's a really good question. But I also, I guess, just love the environment. I always, my mum would grow trees and I'd see her pottering around growing, planting trees on the farm and just seeing her connection with the land and dad's as well with the farming side of things. Maybe it was just that fascination, freedom, autonomy, family and cows. I actually love cows. <laughs> so, another thing. so yeah, I don't, hadn't really interrogated that much, but I just knew that's what I wanted to keep doing. That's what you do. And so if we fast forward to today, beyond Cultivate Farms, you're also working with Udinata. You've been CEO, now Managing Director for that. My understanding of Udinata is around conservation, environmental preservation, et cetera. So there's some real linkages in terms of that six-year-old still well and truly in you today. Yeah. So I've realized my passion is farming and nature and how the two inter- interact. And I want to have both. And I think we need, the world needs that that solution of how we as humans can live and let others live and, and eat well and drink well. And so I've, I've realized that's what I need to hold on to in life. And that's probably what everyone else needs to think about. And you know, what do you want out of life? What's your driver? And that's, I guess, mine. And to have Cultivate Farms and Odonata there, both focused in similar worlds around land and utilizing that land in that balance I just feel really privileged to every day be thinking around solutions and backing entrepreneurs, farmers to think about that balance and how they make money, do good, whether that's running a farm that grows great food or we do projects around threatened species recovery on farms as well. So those I get to look at a lot of random things and I guess what we do isn't normal either. It's a bit of... Um, we try and solve problems using business models and sustainable farming all around that theme of a balance of of nature and, and and human needs. So can you tell me a little bit about some of the projects that you guys do? I know the the one I'm gonna it was I'm gonna say bilbies, but I think it was bandicoots, taking like an endangered species back, like the threatened of extinction to actually then I'm gonna say prosperity in terms of the populations and what was happening. But that's the one I know. What else do you guys do? Well, it's a ripper. So that's a, that's one um, with the Odonata hat on. That's the farm called Tiverton, uh, sort of West Victoria, thousand hectare grassland. It has a big fence around it, and it's a working merino fine wool operation. And we have eastern bar bandicoots and eastern quolls running around, both endangered. And that's I think the third time ever an animal's been downlisted in history. Wow! Because we've got packed in about thirty or so bandicoots the other day, and there's hundreds and there's going to be thousands of them running alongside these sheep. So this idea of farming and nature being intertwined and ending extinction, again, just keeps blowing my mind every day. And I haven't seen a model like that, I think, in Australia around this idea of perfect integration of nature and farming. But we work with landholders all over the country now trying to replicate that model, whether it's a bush block or a farm operation. How can you be part of ending extinction? Sometimes that requires a big fence. Bottom line is cats and foxes eat everything. And the best way at the moment is to put up fences to get them out completely. Over time, someone will figure out how to remove foxes. Someone clever like you, Ollie, you probably could solve it. We just need to get in there and find a solution. But at the moment, we need it. The only solution I know, they probably can't really talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, our, our vision is a network of these sanctuaries. So up 50 is our target across Australia. And there's other great organisations who do this as well. But we want to have landholders being part of the solution with their property. And then we can move animals between and build the genetics and then one day we'll be pulling down these fences and having these threatened animals back out in the landscape. So that's a cornerstone of what we do around these sanctuaries, but we also work trying to uncover more business models around nature. So backing entrepreneurs, supporting farmers, finding impact investors to get more money in to support these sort of business-focused ventures, which are helping to end extinction. That is incredible. How like how on earth did you end up 
with this role and down this pathway? Was it just you were you hell bent on going down this pathway, or did things like fall into place over your career and opportunities popped up? Yeah, fell into place, and I've learned to be annoying. So I had a, I worked for government for twelve years in environmental policy, and I had I've always had ideas, and I found it hard to get my ideas up the line because there was about six levels to go up. And then one day, this just had my own idea, and I thought, why can't I pursue it? I don't need to go through government or through somebody else. I can pursue that idea. And that was in my early thirties. No one ever told me. I don't know why I needed some sort of permission. From that day, I was like, I'm going to pursue it. So I quit. My job, well-paid government job, moved in with my in-laws in Albury to pursue Cultivate Farms and a couple other things. And in that time, I met Nigel Sharp, who's the founder of Odonata. And so we crafted Odonata and just thought we need to focus on the business of biodiversity and threatened species and opportunity by opportunity and idea by idea. We've built this this not-for-profit all about empowering landholders. And at the same time, we're building Cultivate Farms around empowering the next generation retiring farmers to share ownership. And I guess we don't have a blueprint for it. We're just having a crack. And still remember my brother-in-law saying to me, why don't you just sell something that people want, open a bakery or something. But to, to me, I love solving problems around this, around nature and farming. I guess that's what drives me is ideas and, and trying to solve it. And by doing that, by showing up, by throwing ideas, by finding solutions and following through and being persistent, more opportunities come. and. You realize you can build a you can build a business, you can build a life out of the thing that you, you love. Definitely this wasn't all planned. It's we knew we could do cool stuff. And it's just a matter of keeping the doors open in the meantime so you can eat. <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> I want to ask you because I spoke at, recently at a conference and people wanted the humans of agriculture story, which I know you share the cultivate farm story so much, but I was like, okay. Let me shift it a little bit and talk about how you can support and build livelihoods on purpose and passion. So I wanted to talk about how we've been able to do that through Humans of Agriculture for our team and support their kind of livelihoods. But tell me what you've learned about being able to build your livelihood around purpose and passion. Small questions. Yeah. Don't quit your well-paid government job until your idea makes money. That's probably my number one. Gary Vaynerchuk is an entrepreneur. American entrepreneur who I followed when I first started and he just same yeah really crazy but great ideas and he talks about you have your side hustle and just keep working on that you finish work at five or whatever your job is and you got from five till midnight you could be hustling to make something happen and I guess that's what I did in a way but I quit my job so I had all day to hustle on zero dollars but yeah get a job that makes money I would say, keep the lights on. If you don't have a loan or kids, it's easier. And build your idea, if you can, on the side until it makes 50% or something of the income you need to then quit and do it full time. But I found I did waste a lot of time when I was working in government, which I enjoyed life and went around and did stuff. But if you really want to pursue something, you've got to spend time. There's the four-hour work week floating around that idea. I just don't think that's true. You just have to spend time researching and trying things and talking to people, and that does mean time. So I think my my advice back to myself starting this out is keep your job, do it as a side hustle, spend five years hustling, and then hopefully at some stage you'll realise there is a business model here and you can go for it. Um, volunteering for the very best people is the probably other great tip. You can meet 
anybody. You could probably work for Richard Branson tomorrow if you said I'll do it for free for two years, whether you can afford it or not is another thing. But this idea that you can get straight to the very best people in your industry or where you want to be straight away by volunteering, I think is so powerful. How you fund it is another thing. But if you want to get there and save time and get their networks, absolutely do that. Let's chat a little bit about Cultivate Farms from where it was. Let's talk to the idea. It's around getting the next gen of farm ownership in. But what does that look like today? And how are you building a business around that? A lot of it's next gen farmers. So getting alongside them and we do it through free content. There is a membership, uh, which we're supercharging at the moment, um, but you can pay to be a member. But all this contact's free. We've got a book coming out and it's all about how you can own your farm. It's through sharing. So you're going to be good enough. So go and be a farmer somewhere and be really good at it. And while you're doing that, get to know as many retiring farmers or potential investors as possible and build real relationships. And one day, one of those retiring farmers is going to say to you, Ollie, you're a bloody champion. I've seen you working hard. You never give up. I'm going to sh- I want to share my farm and you're the only person I can think about that deserves that. So it's this prove you're good enough and continually find connections to share. So we just kick young farmers out the bum and say, keep going, you can do it. And on the other side is retiring farmers. So we're saying to them, you may not have kids or you don't want to give your farm to your kids. The idea of aging on farm, we've got a guide around this. We're saying you don't have to sell and walk away. You don't have to give it to your kids. You could share with somebody else's kids and here are the reasons why, here are the benefits, et cetera. And so we want to get at least 5% of retiring farmers to think like that, which means for the next gen, there's this steady supply of farms, hopefully across Australia, always coming up and it's not an awkward discussion to have anymore. So we're trying to get the retiring farmers to think about sharing and then aspiring to be good enough to share. And our job is like matchmakers to connect but also realise we don't have to be that matchmaker. The people in communities, so the real estate agent, the lawyer, the baker, people need more farmers and farmers to be profitable and they can be the matchmakers themselves. So more and more our business is moving to supporting the dairy industry and the cane industry and industry bodies to go, yeah, we need more young farmers on land and we've got retiring farmers that want to share how do we get in and make these matches happen ourselves. So more and more our business is moving to championing and supporting community people, community-minded or industry-minded to say, yeah, you should be the ones encouraging these matches and keeping, you know, you get the bias and the vested interest. You can create your industry as the most attractive for next-gen farmers in Australia or you can make your region the most attractive for the next-generation farmers by encouraging this sharing of ownership and getting more and more matches. And I guess a good case study is up in Ingham in Queensland where we spent two years pushing this with a community champion and got nothing. And then within a month, we had three matches and we know it's going to go exponential because it, it is very weird. But we've realized the power of just persistence and presenting this as an idea. It does need years for people's minds, especially retiring farmers, to think about it. So, yeah, it's a lot of how you turn that into a business is the other question. That's what it is. It's all about getting these matches to happen. I want to finish on two questions. One being, it was really interesting stats that came out of the piece of work between, yeah, funded by Norco and the National Farmers Federation around the mental health, which is alarming in itself, which we're doing some content around. But I think it was I'm probably going to get stats wrong. Let's say ballpark, but one in five farmers believe that they're the last generation to be farming. And so I think with what you're doing, huge opportunity. So let's say 10 years down the track, what does Cultivate Farms look like and what's success to you at that stage? Yeah, thousands of matches. And I, I, maybe the the idea of sharing is no longer unknown or weird. And sharing ownership is just a normal path. Before banks got involved in loaning, 
sharing ownership was the number one way. Like that's just what you did, either inherit or someone you adopted someone else's kid and they came in and took it on. So we want to renormalize this idea of sharing. And it's not for everybody, but we just want to give that hope so that those one in five go, well, maybe in our bloodline, but I can adopt or you know, find another family who's worthy to take on this farm and be empowered. Like that gives so much hope. We have so many people who love that concept that, yeah, maybe my family don't want it, but I know there's others who are worthy and you can continue that legacy that way. So, yeah, we just want sharing ownership to be a normal thing so that people can have it in their toolbox when they're thinking about their legacy. And we just know that the flow and effects of that are young people working hard because they know pathway to ownership is there and they'll come back or they'll stay in the land. Communities will be thriving and people have hope in the future of farming because there is this pathway to resolve the number one issue for next-gen farmers and that's ownership. So a little bit vague, but as long as people think about sharing, I think we're sorted. I, I think like what I'm keen to do is we have an In the Know podcast, which is kind of 15 odd minutes, a bit of a deep dive, but what I'd love to do, and I'm signing up for it now, Sam, but let's in say 15 minutes actually flesh out how the model works. Because I think I've got questions around because I guess the value of assets related to agriculture going up, how does that kind of work? But I think let's try and do a bit of a powwow. And we off the back of this episode, maybe we'll get some questions from people outside that we can get answered as part of that. Yeah. And skeptical questions. Absolutely love to do all that. We'll get the pessimist in me out. No. Um, but one final question, which I ask everyone, is if you get the chance to go and chat to year 10 students about a career in agriculture, what would be your message to them about why they should consider it today in 2023? Some people just love growing things and you can't get it out of them. So if you're one of those people and you love growing things, go for it and know it's a way to build one, to be satisfying and useful, but two, build wealth. And I think this hope that you can own your farm gets people excited that, yeah, I can build wealth for my family and for future generations. So I'd say if you want to grow stuff and but you have this desire to own, it's absolutely possible, so go for it. You should, like a doctor would spend 10 years training, go spend the next 10 years training to be the best farmer and grow, be the best grower. And if you do that, doors will open and you could be living an amazing life on a property that you either own outright or share ownership but have that pathway. So go for it because, uh, you know, farming is not for everyone, but a lot of people, you won't shake it out of them. And if you've got that feeling inside of you of growing and and producing things, farming is awesome. And don't become a doctor, become a farmer. Well, mate, I know uh, we are heading into a long weekend and you've got places to be things to do thank you for joining me as always i think what we've proven here is that we can create these little bite-sized episodes as well and i think no matter how long we talk with someone we're not going to unlock their full story but i'm really interested and enjoyed hearing about i guess your passion and how you've actually been able to build your career from going from the government side into both cultivate farms and what you guys are doing so i'm sure we've got plenty we can talk about but we'll leave it there sam thanks ali appreciate it mate love what you're doing and have been doing great If you're enjoying our episodes, please hit us up with any ideas, recommendations or people you'd like to see featured. We love sharing these stories. I just think it is so cool that I get to sit down with all these interesting people every week and bring those different experiences to you. So always open and we are able to share stories in so many different ways. So if it's calling someone in on a landline, over Zoom in person, whatever it might be, please hit us up. 
See you next week. Bye.